0: This is a podcast by the Straits Times. Lionel Messi and Argentina are world champions after World Cup final for the ages, which kept off an epic tournament that featured some magnificent football. Hi I am ST Sports Correspondent Hazali Abdul Aziz dialing in from Doha. And on this episode of ST Sports Talk, I am joined by ST Football columnist John Bruin as we talk about that crazy final between Argentina and France, our highlights of the tournament, and the legacy Qatar 2022 will leave behind. So hello, John, and thanks uh, for joining me. How are you feeling uh, after last night's uh, madness?
1: Well, thanks for having me, I should say, first. Um, yeah, absolutely blown away by, by that game. Um, I think it just distilled how wonderful a game football is. Now, listen, I would say that's the greatest game I've ever watched on television. Now, I've been very lucky in my career, my life, to have been to some all-time classic games. And the one that I always say was the greatest game I ever saw uh, is Liverpool 3, AC Milan 3, back in 2005 in Istanbul. Well, I think that game last night was better. It had it all. It had it all. The narratives of plenty, brilliant football, some mistakes, some psychological issues. The idea that Messi had to win the World Cup three times over in one game, and then Killian Mbappe, uh, and I'm an Englishman, you know, uh, equals Jeff Hurst's feat uh, of scoring three goals in a World Cup final, and yet finishes on the losing side. Incredible.
0: Incredible. So, so, I mean, I was going to ask you off the bat, you know, greatest World Cup final ever. I guess your answer stated your position, you know. Yeah. It has to be the greatest World Cup final for you.
1: I think so. I think so. I mean, you know, the first World Cup final I, I recall or w- watched uh, was back in 1986. In, uh, not a dissimilar game, actually, in Argentina going 2-0 up, West Germany coming back into it, and then their version of Messi, Maradona, inspiring the win. And it was like that. It was, uh, you know, obviously a, a different type of football, it's a different game, but it was the, f- <laughs> the freedom with which both teams were able to attack. And I do think that on games like that we saw last night and, and Istanbul, there is a sense of panic that happens in these games that just adds that extra tension. Now, as regards great World Cup finals, well, I'm led to believe that the first one back in 1930 was a, a classic between Uruguay and Argentina. And the, and the other one as well, uh, of course, in 1954, the Miracle of Bern, in which West Germany beat Hungary, who were the greatest team in the world at the time. So that's the thing, actually. You're talking about those are historical events. Those are, are all-time and what those, those mean in history. And the game last night feels like it. It equalised that. Incredible.
0: Absolutely. In those crazy, crazy, you know, 120 plus minutes, was there one or, or two moments in particular that stood out for you? I, I asked you because I had two. Mine, you know, being in the stadium, the, the first was um, Messi's second goal, the, you know, Argentina's third uh, in, in extra time. That was that was almost an out-of-body... Now I, I have goosebumps now just mentioning it. It, it was like an out-of-body experience in a sense... You couldn't have written it any better. And, you know, for him to be at that right place at that right time to bundle the ball home for seemingly what was going to be the winner, it was just, you know, you you had no words. Uh, And the other for me was Emi Martinez's save of Randall Kolomohani late, late, also in extra time. You know, for me, that was almost a sign from above that, you know, France are going to go on and win it on penalties. You mentioned Istanbul. I'm thinking, you know, it had the same vibes as Jesse Dudek save from Shevchenko. It's just, with everything at stake, you know, the goalkeeper pulling off an incredible stop. Impossible stop, you know, think that was just massive as well. For you, did you have a moment or two that stood out for you?
1: Um, yes, the, the one that suddenly alerted me to the idea that this may well be at the World Cup Final Classic was um, Kylian Mbappe's second goal. That volley... With the ball sort of pinging around, and then suddenly it's smashed into the goal, and it's suddenly like, "Hello, here we go. We've got to come back on here." With This is, and I think that, I think that's the moment that just switched it from being this has been a pretty good game. Argentina have got it their own way, and I think we always expected, or I certainly expected France to have a go back at a certain point because when that story is retold, I think we might forget how poor France were for such a long time in the game. And suddenly, Mbappe, who had been a peripheral figure, not done anything in the game, obviously took the penalty, and then suddenly, ah, this is killing Mbappe. The heir apparent to Messi, scores this goal, and we've got a World Cup Classic happening now. And from that point on, Bedlam ensued. It was incredible. I, I keep using that word, incredible, because, and that's what incredible means I don't almost understand what happened, because... That's exactly it.
0: it yeah. You mentioned earlier about there was a sense of panic. And and obviously there is because, you know, the pressure and given everything that's at stake. But I think what people forget is how cool Messi and Mbappe were both, you know, when, when put on the spot. Mbappe, 23 years old, to score two penalties in the 120 minutes and also bury his penalty in, in the shootout. Messi as well scoring uh, the first one, you know, with the weight of, Basically, the whole world on his shoulders, and then you know, also tucking away his penalty issue. I mean, these guys' their mentality must be, oh, you know, what I mean, uh, they must have ice running through their veins,
1: yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and and I suppose that's the thing that that's what a World Cup final is what pushes players towards immortality. If you'll forgive me for suggesting that, um, you mentioned Muani on BBC TV over here in ITV, they, they were describing that as a miss. I think that was a bit harsh, really. They, they were suggesting that that was the moment. And, and actually, funny enough, when we go back to Istanbul, was Shevchenko's a miss? Well, yeah, maybe. you know. But, it's, it's, but it amidst players like, you know, Muani's a young player and may have a great future ahead of him. But you have players of the, the likes of... Um, I mean, let us recall that, you know, France had uh, Ousmane Sembele and Olivier Giroud. Now, it's a possibility that both of them were sick, you know, and uh, but... These are high-quality players, high achievers in the game, taken off because they couldn't deal with the, the pressure of a World Cup final. And yet, as you say, Mbappé and Messi are able to rise themselves above a World Cup final and you know write themselves into history. Uh, Mbappé had already scored in a World Cup final, of course, but I think what we may recall of his career, when it when, is when done and there's a long way to go, is that he scored a Patrick in a World Cup final. And yeah, the two players wrote themselves into immortality last night, I would suggest.
0: Yeah, just a different breed. Um, You know, looking back at the tournament as a whole, I mean, obviously, I I guess we might not have to go back too far to discuss the football action, but what did you enjoy the most uh, over the month? You know, was it Morocco, Japan, uh, something completely different?
1: Well, you said go, go back too far, but I think the group stage was great. Now, um, Gianni Infantino's talked a lot of twaddle during this tournament. I'm afraid uh, when he has done public appearances, of course, because of course he he did that infamous address on the first day, and he's talked about it being the greatest tournament ever. Now, <laughs> I'd suggest that football-wise, possibly there's a case. Beyond that, let's not go into the finer details. But uh, I would not be one of those because of what this World Cup represents. But the group stage did throw up. Some really fantastic games. And you mentioned Japan, their wins over Spain and Germany. Amazing. Both comeback wins as well. And then, of course, Saudi Arabia beating Argentina. Well, we forget that now. But just sensational. Um, And and even the performances of, I mean, you speak to an Australian. Australia, a country in which soccer is the fourth sport, that really captured the nation's heart. There was people partying in Melbourne at 2 or 3 in the morning when they went through. So the group stage threw up so much. And then, of course, as you suggested, Morocco, an African nation going so far, and a country uh, which is, I think, 80% Arabic going so far. That meant a lot, and that that, that does a lot to define a tournament. So those are the great moments. It was, you know, almost every game had something going on it. And a, a lot of the time in these big tournaments... You have this thing where the group stage can be quite interesting, maybe not of the quality of that, and then the knockout stage has become a series of nil-nil draws and penalties. Well, we didn't have that this time. In, in almost every game, there was something to talk about.
0: Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode. And now, back to our conversation with ST football columnist, John Bruin. So, yeah, I mean, is there a case to be made? I, I saw on Twitter last night, you know, after the game, somebody was making the case that, you know, FIFA should do a, a mid-season World Cup, yeah. you know, in the future, you know, g- given the quality of football that was served up. I mean, do you think there's any merit in that idea?
1: Well, I, I suppose one thing is it's shown that it's possible. It's shown that it can be done. I do think, though, that we'll have to see how the rest of the domestic season goes because if various leagues um, come apart where, say, uh, a champion team was running away with the league and falls apart or yeah, lots of teams turn up... OK, well, let, let's look at it this way. Uh, for, to take one club, Arsenal. Now, Arsenal had a fantastic first 15 games of the season, but uh, they won't have Gabriel Jesus when they come back to play football on uh, the 27th, I think, it's the first game. Now, the cost to clubs, and of course, I think there's some sort of compensation involved here. It could be quite costly, if, if that is the case. Uh, look at Lucas Hernandez for, for uh, France. He's out for the season, having got an injury mid-season. And there's a few players, actually, that that will have happened to. You can get very excited about, hey, it's, you can have it in mid-season. The players are going to be fitter. It's a great, better spectacle for everybody ultimately the clubs are the, the uh, entities that pay the wages and it will be a financial decision. Now, of course, should Saudi Arabia win the rights to host the World Cup in 2030, then of course we will have a Winter World Cup because the same conditions, or just about the same conditions, apply. But I think, uh, and that does appear, quite a big possibility at the moment. So, yeah, I, I think it, we've opened the door on a Winter World Cup. It won't be the last one. That's what That's what I would say at this point.
0: But yeah, I mean, to your point, it was, I think now now everybody's sort of um, enamored and wrapped up by the football. People tend to forget how chaotic it was um, in the weeks leading up to the World Cup where people were dropping like flies. And yes. everybody's like, uh, you know, a, a, a tie strain. He may miss the World mm. Cup, you know. So uh, on a, a twisted ankle, you know, will he be ready? You know, so yeah, th- those were... It was quite sickening to be honest uh you know for for a few weeks there you know where where every little injury was was seen as a potential tournament Ender but you know i i I think that's a fair um conclusion that it won't be the last winter world cup going away from the football though and just briefly i know you you touched on it earlier what what do you think the legacy of this world cup will be you know the you know Qatar was accused of spot washing the football almost did it, didn't it and uh Lionel Messi. <laughs> wearing a, an Arabic gown lifting the the world cup i guess was the money shot so to speak
1: yes yeah yeah you put that very well says yeah um i get the feeling with the well this idea of sports washing and what qatar i don't think anyone's opinions have changed on what the world cup represented having held the world cup now there will be those now there were certain certain people over in the uk and certain media outlets that were very uh, that just said, "Hey, it's been World Cup. It's been great. It's been fine." Those are the outlets that chose to not really pay m- much attention to the ideas of. I mean, a couple of migrant workers died during the tournament, which you know, which further revealed some of the issues that have gone on there. Uh, the, the issues of LGBTQ that in itself caused a problem. You know, in the west of Western Europe, I'm not sure that it would be such a big issue in the rest of the world, but I think FIFA and Qatar's attempts to try and win the narrative, I don't think those are particularly successful, but as I said, I don't think anyone's opinions were changed. I think there'll be a significant proportion of journalists in the liberal left media, in which I work, I would I would say, uh, who felt that Qatar hadn't really altered its outlook to change the World Cup, you can't say at the same time, why should they have to change their outlook? And from Qatar's point of view, I don't think they really changed anyone's opinion of what they were going to do. I mean, OK, they, they managed to build these fantastic stadia. Um, but one of the things and listen, you were there, you were the, you were the guy on the ground. Um, whenever, uh, and I had a lot of friends that were working out there and colleagues. Whenever I saw a picture of anywhere, there appeared to be no one else there. It seemed quite empty as a place.
0: Yes, exactly. I had the same feeling as well, especially during the group stage where, you know, you expected the city to be to be sort of teeming with people. But yeah. I remember just one of the days thinking to myself, it really doesn't feel like a million people are in this, you know, little city, you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, exactly. And in many vast spaces, you, you just see beige or white, you know, which is basically the, the colour of the building's uh you know, here in uh, in in Doha, so yeah, it, it was a bit strange. But then again, I've had fans uh, who have been to previous World Cups who told me it was it was more or less the same in Russia as well, where you know the Red Square, of course, was you know was teeming with people, but many of the other locations and venues were were quite sparsely filled. So so I I, I can't I can't speak to previous World Cups, but yeah, this one you know did seem like you know was there an actual World Cup? going on here you know
1: yeah i mean i've been to three world cups uh, and i went to germany in 2006 which i mean the streets were filled with people partying as far as i could gather south africa 2010 would be there were security issues there of course uh that felt a bit like this idea that you know fifa had created an enclave in south africa and it was you existed within that and then a lot of people didn't really socialize outside that now Having said that, you still could. Um, I did. And then uh, Brazil was a bit more of a free-for-all. Uh, but Brazil's such a big place and there are so many people there that at times you just sort of blended in with what was going on there because it is so populous. But speaking to friends of mine that will have been to all those tournaments and more, they felt that, that Doha was quite, if not unwelcoming, of course it wasn't unwelcoming, but just just cold and purpose-built for this. And then this idea of what follows after in in a place like that, because who would want to visit that? You know, there was an idea. I mean, Dubai is very popular with people from this country, uh, or a certain type of person from this country. I don't think anyone is suggesting Doha is the new Dubai. You know, it's for visit, for tourism, for shopping, uh, for partying, let's be fair. Um, I don't think anyone's suggesting that. So Qatar are able to show their strength, their wealth, their power. To what end? I'm not sure.
0: And I mean, just to wrap things up, you know, you mentioned the group stage; you enjoyed that uh, a lot. Or oh, is there yes. one moment uh, from the the group stage, or, or, in fact, the whole World Cup
1: that stood out for you? Yeah, actually, I'll go back to Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia against uh, Argentina, uh, and that uh, we only saw it later. But the the halftime speech of Hervey Renard, the uh, coach of the Saudi Arabia, done through a translator. Um, no. <laughs> the player's getting it twice. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. And just, I mean, there's a lot of... i fly in the world documentaries made these days, aren't there, of, of managers. And there's some old school ones of managers like Neil Warnock over here. And it was just the same as you'd get, except done through a translator, just screaming at them. And, and it got the job done. And... uh an Emerging nation like that uh, pulling off a famous victory like that because, of course, in Saudi Arabia they're able to say, Well, we were the only team that beats Argentina. Uh, but that moment, as an Englishman, I should say, there are a couple of games that England played in Fitch very, very good, but we come away with disappointment of what might have been. Could we have matched Argentina in the final? I'd suggest not. I, I really I think they might have struggled with Lionel Messi in that type of mood. Um, but actually. As a highlight, what will this tournament be remembered for beyond the Qatar narrative we've just discussed? It's Lionel Messi. That's it really, isn't it? Messi crowning himself as the greatest footballer of all time. Now, I actually had this idea that if they hadn't lost that final, Messi would still be the greatest footballer of all time. Or the greatest footballer of the 21st century, let's put it that way. And I still don't know if he's met Maradona but him crowning his career like that, and, and one thing is, I, I don't know how how much of the TV pictures you could see. You were probably barrelling around, you know, getting to press conferences and mix zones. I know what it's like. But he seems so cool afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Mean, he seems so. Did, he did. It was just all oh, right. Yeah, this is what I do, and that probably yeah. is why he is the greatest because he's taken it all in his stride. Because what he can do, I wouldn't say it's easy for him. Of course, it's not easy, but he's capable of it. It's within his it's within his ken uh, and nobody else and those are the world's best players on show there and only killing mbappe came close it,
0: it felt like his reaction after the final whistle felt like the whole world was more desperate for him to win the world cup than he was i guess yeah. you know yeah. yeah you know he was so cool and calm as you said uh, you sorry you just mentioned uh, renard neil walker uh, neil Warnock. It just reminded me of John Sitton as well, bring your effing dinner. I, I you know I I love, I love the the, <laughs> you know, the dressing room. Well he,
1: he he drives a taxi around here. Maybe oh, really? you know, one I was I, yeah, I, I have I have a dream that one day uh I get in a cab and it's John Sitton there and I will probably ask him to go the long way around because I love <laughs> to hear those stories. Wow!
0: Yeah, just okay. Just very quickly for me to wrap up.
1: What well, that one? what
0: uh, one moment for me was rather one night. Um, was that incredible night again? You know, there's so many. We we use the word "incredible" as you said so many times for this tournament, and and really is. But that night where Japan beat Spain, and not just because of that result, but because of what was going on in the other game between Germany and Costa Rica. And we were in the stadium at Khalifa for Japan, um, and Spain, and you know, everybody was checking their phones for the score of what was going on in the other game, and then at one point, Spain were Spain and Germany were out, and Costa Rica and Japan were through for for a precious few minutes, which seemed completely unreal. You know, what I mean, so yeah, that that was just that was just a, as a night that was just I think a, a moment that will probably not be repeated ever again. Two former world champions on their way out of the tournament, and and a team from. Central America and Asia going through at their expense. That was yo. Oh, that was beyond belief. But um, yeah, John, thank you so much for your time and uh, and uh, your thoughts. And I really appreciate that and enjoyed this chat with you.
1: Well, thank you. And I, and I should say, uh, great work out there. I hope you uh, hope you enjoyed yourself. Sounds like you did. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Uh, I'm really very envious of you being at that game. So all the best. And thank thank you very much for having me on.
0: It's been a privilege. Thank you, John.